What's up, Internet friends, and welcome to another episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club. I'm your host, Kevin Garaventa, a.k.a. The Portland Kevin, and this is a show where we pick one game from the PlayStation Plus library and break it down for your entertainment, information, and amusement. This time, we are talking about Outer Wilds. In 2019, Mobius Digital finished and released what started as a student project made by eventual studio director Alex Beecham. Over the course of development and release, Outer Wilds received more than 20 award nominations and won six of them at game festivals, developer conferences, and award shows. The reason for those awards shines through the game when you play it and see how inventive and unique this physics-based clockwork puzzle box is. Joining me for this adventure into Outer Wilds is the returning Steve Watkins. Great to have you back. I'm happy to be here. This game is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, this uh this was one that I was so excited that you ended up picking it. Uh when when I sent you the list of like 100 games and uh, I, I think uh, about like 30 different trailers of all, a bunch of them that I thought you'd like. What made this one stand out to you? This is the kind of game that I always gravitate towards, which is one that is it's less structured in the expectation and in the gameplay. Um, and like I actually was thinking about this question um, before because I was looking at these other games and I sent a couple back to you of like, oh, I'm interested in this and that one was like a side scroller. But uh, the ones that really that force me to think more right are these like wide open ones that force me to be creative as a game player and uh, that's why i i saw what this one was kind of about just in the broad strokes and was like yep that's right up my alley that's <laughs> that is what i'm looking for something that'll something that'll tickle my brain a little bit is what yeah. i'm looking for yeah and this one definitely is it 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 will really test the player that's playing it and and have them solve this puzzle that is just constantly in motion and so it it, it is extremely unique and i i can't wait to to talk about so many reasons why so before we do though is there any sort of uh like project or, or special thing that you want to shout out for yourself I, I wish I had time to have a project. <laughs> so let me just say shout outs to parents. You know, y'all are doing great work um, because I know that that's occupying a lot of my uh, my time and attention as well. Um, that and work, you know, things are busy. Uh, last time I was on here, I plugged educators just in general because um, I'm like, oh, what's a hobby? I guess I don't have hobbies. I don't have projects. But uh, one of my hobbies is what I do for a living, which is teaching. And I just think it's always important to 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 yell that from the mountaintop that that's yeah. that's an amazing thing uh so go teachers go parents yeah we're, right. we're this is pro family pro family uh recording right now well yeah <laughs> and and i'll i'll say it again just like last time our teachers are very important so please do support them but let's just dig into the outer wilds let's do it The concept of this game is is difficult to describe, but you're playing as 
an alien that is just about to leave his village and be like the fifth uh, astronaut in their their astro- their new astronaut program that is launching people into space and your your village is like the only civilization on this tiny planet that is in a solar system that they the developers made as like a micro solar system where uh, they measured it and it's only like 14 kilometers long to scale so this this whole thing takes place in what could feel like it immensely like huge but it is relatively small and easy to explore but then you know once you launch into space you can fly around and explore and then after 22 minutes the sun goes supernova and the the whole solar system explodes and the the game is over but then you wake up in a time loop and it is where you you started the game again that's the the basic idea but there is a mystery as to why the the sun is going supernova and what what caused it uh around the the solar system that you can explore i went into this um like asking you not to tell me too much you even said like how much do you want to know and i said you know nothing and i i didn't research anything at all just talking about the structure there the first thing that i noticed when i turned this game on was that i was this alien and on this planet i i knew this because i was seeing my fellow friend alien over there who looked like an alien so (laughs) okay this is an alien but i was like just kind of looking around right? Because you start by gazing up at that tiny solar system. And as I was looking around, I noticed that the light was just like the shadows were moving past, right? With this great, this this great speed. I was kind of like alarmed by that. I was like, what is going, why is the day going (laughs) so quickly? Right? And of course, once you get out, you start to understand how the gameplay goes. Um, you, you, You know, like everything's in like this fast, this rapid orbit. So it's not even like day is day. Um, it's more of just like, what, what's the time time limit on 22 minutes? But um, before you do that, without any foregrounding of like what's going on there, the the just general construction of this solar system, like immediately can, like plugs you in. I, yeah. it, like it alarmed me, but it also made me very, very interested. It was like, God, I got to get these launch codes. That, what, what's going on? <laughs> because like it, it's almost like everywhere you look. At, at least like whenever you see something that's up in the sky, it is extremely interesting. And you start to wonder like, what is up there? What, what is on that planet? Or what, why is, why are these two planets so close together and what's happening? The, the tough thing about talking about this game is that we will inadvertently go into spoilerific details. So uh, I'll, I'll preface it right now that like, if at all, this kind of thing sounds interesting to you, go check out this game. It is incredible. But uh, it, it's really hard to to start talking about these different planets without really spoiling things. So, you know, it, it, if it sounds interesting to you right now, go check it out. And, and that's w- one reason why, like, uh, I, I do want to ask you right away, how would you rate this game as far as that, that one to three scale that I, I tend to throw out? Would you say that it is not really worth your time or if like check it out if it's on sale or if you find it in the a subscription service or is it a shut up and take my money kind of game it for me um just 
the kind of thing that I look for in a game, this is a shut up and take my money game. And definitely, like Kevin just said, if you're listening to this and you are planning on playing this and you want that, uh, the, the sense of wonder that I even experienced just waking up and being like, holy crap, the shadows are moving. <laughs> um, stop, stop talking now because I can't be certain that I won't spoil everything in the next sentence, like, to be honest, um, yeah. just because of how the game is structured. It's like, if we talk about it, we're talking about one piece, but we're also kind of talking about everything because it is this this like clockwork mechanism. Everything kind of works together. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, for me, this was I, I was like, oh, for me, this is a steal on sale. Like, yeah, <laughs> this, is, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. And I have to agree with you. This is one. This is one of those rare games that I really wish I could play again for the first time. I wish I, I I wish I could forget everything that I learned about this game so I could try it again. Because coming into this now, I remember a lot of the rules that uh, that govern a lot of these planets, and I remember a lot of ways to get around things that you kind of have to discover for yourself when you're playing it. And that's that's part of what makes this so magical is that you're you're flying around and suddenly you realize like oh. I can do this or this is like this is happening on this planet at this time. I need to get ahead of it or I need to wait until this is happening. So, it's pretty fascinating how they use time to govern what you can do and what you want to chase after in this game. But just talking about it is is really hard to not spoil anything. So, I I I want to rave about this game, but I can't do it without spoiling anything. So we have we we have to go into spoilers right away as we talk about these different planets. The more I watch about uh, watch other videos about it online. And by the way, there are tons of videos about it online. So I don't think we really need to break down the story in great detail because you can go watch one of those other videos. We're, we're going to talk about just about what is fascinating about this game. One of those things is that I was watching a documentary about making this and they explained that everything in this game is physics based. So everything is existing at the same time in this game. It's not necessarily being rendered so that you don't see like the visual detail of everything. If you just go like somewhere where your character's not, but everything is still being registered in this game. So the sense of gravity that is happening in this game is being affected throughout the entire solar system. On Timberhearth, the the planet that you start out on, there's a bunch of spots that you can go to to learn about other stuff in the solar system that you're probably going to have to deal with. One of those is the Zero-G Cave, where you can train in zero gravity and just see what it feels like to fly around in zero gravity. But that cave is deep down in the bottom of a mine in the planet. Technically, it is at the very center of the planet. So because the game is physics-based, when you get into that cave, you are at the center of Timberhearth, and like your character is not affected by gravity. So you can fly around in zero gravity. And they didn't script this room into the game. They just built the game to have this be possible. And that's just an example of something really fascinating about this. And, you know, when you when you get to the center of this this planet, suddenly gravity has no effect. And that's the kind of 
science that is built into this game that is very fascinating. Yeah, I I discovered that physics uh, controls much of this game in the way that most living things interact with physics, which is... um, (laughs) (laughs) I was shocked when my behaviors as a game player in a video game were all of a sudden controlled by things that I... You know, I like suspend my belief of what I can or can't do in the real world when I step into a video game. Yeah. Only this time I floated too long in one space, uh, one part of the solar system and uh, a planet in orbit just, you know, <laughs> uh, just clapped right into me. And I just crashed. And I was like, holy crap, I'm on this planet now because <laughs> I was floating in the solar system, not really considering the fact that other things are still moving around me. Uh, similarly, uh, when I tried to plan out any autopilot things, I, and I, I love this, this feature of the game too. Uh, one of the first times that I, uh, played around with the autopilot, I targeted a planet that was across the, across the solar system from me. And I, you know, accelerated straight into the sun. (laughs) That's where I was taken with the orbit. I did that one time too. Yeah. (laughs) As soon as I woke up on Timberhearth, I like walked over to our friend who's playing the banjo and all of a sudden a new prompt appeared that said, will the autopilot always take me right into the sun? (laughs) I was like, planets are in orbit, man. You know, you got to think about that is. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. (laughs) That was like the, you know, the the, an inauspicious ending to a great, you know, solar exploration trip. Uh, But good, good news. You're. You're waking up again. Okay, so if we talk about any of the planets, which one do you want to start talking about first? That, so it's almost <laughs> like I I went I I could talk about where I went yeah. first and why, but I don't know if that's what I want to talk about first. I like I went to Brittle Hollow first. Yeah. Um I I feel like uh I just kind of like I took the idea of like I have a freaking spaceship. I'm just when I'm off, right? Yeah. Um, and then that that lined up in my targets, obviously, like the uh, the molten moon there, um, like glows. And yeah. so I was like attracted to that, the lantern. But I I don't know if I want to talk about Brittle Hollow first, because uh, that's a hard a place. lot of that. It, it's hard yeah. and it's complicated. And I don't I suppose it's a good example of the structure of of the solar system and, and the puzzle that you're in. Um, but. I like I'd kind of like to talk about Dark Bramble. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I might be getting ahead of myself here. I don't know. I why don't you guide us, Kevin? Well, I, like my brain is spinning. We, okay, so we could work from the the inside of the solar system out, and we would be starting with it, 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 if we go in that order. We would start with the uh, the Ember Twins, and those are two planets that are so close together that they are orbiting around each other. And they, oh, they're also called the Hourglass Twins. That's right. They're they're the Hourglass Twins. But 
the, the reason they're called that is because there is a, a large amount of sand that is transferred from one planet to the next and then back to the original planet. And it resembles an, an hourglass. You, you, and when you, when you start out at the 22 minute mark, all of the sand is on one planet. And over the course of the, these 22 minutes, it transfers to the other planet. And that changes just the, the shape of what you can explore. The, these two twins, uh, twin planets have, have different names. One of them is the Ash Twin. That's where all the sand starts. And the Ember Twin is this red, rocky planet that is full of caves and, and an ancient civilization's city. As time goes on, the sand starts to fill these caves. And so over the course of a few minutes, you might find yourself trapped in a cave and then crushed by the sand. That's just one of the the many ways to die in this game. And uh, we, we should talk about dying in this game. There's nothing in this game aside from like one thing that is actually going to actively try and kill you. Other than that, everything is just a hazard and it's just existing here. And if you end up getting killed in this solar system, it's your own fault. So it, it's very funny how death is around every corner, but it's almost always just there and you stumble upon it. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the documentary that you were referring to yeah. and they were they said, you know, space travel is dangerous. You're not supposed to be in space, <laughs> which I thought right. was a great. Yeah, like I, obviously we idealize it is uh, we're pushing the boundaries of what we can accomplish as a species or, or you know, discovering um you know, seeking out new life and, and all that, you know, Jean-Luc Picard stuff. But but really, yeah, it's not a friendly place. And, uh, you know, if you misstep even a little bit, you're, the consequences could be really dire. Yeah, um, yeah. I remember the first time I was crushed by sand. Um, and it it's because I learned that there was a cave at the very bottom of the of the red planet the ember twin and i was like i'm gonna get in there yeah and i wasn't really thinking about the idea of it being an hourglass and sand coming and then the sand has to fill space and go figure a cave <laughs> is space. uh <laughs> and and the, the ground started building up beneath my feet and i was yeah. like oh my god i, I can't get out of here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that that that's hilarious. And then at the same time, if you're exploring on the Ash Twin, the sand starts to sink and it starts to reveal different structures and, and towers that have been made by uh this this people called the Nomai. And uh that's that's the mystery you're trying to solve is is like, you know, who are the Nomai? Why were they in the solar system? How did they get here and you know, what did they do? The it, really interesting thing is it like we have to talk about the music at some point because the music in this game, it, it is very, um, I, I guess like upbeat and, and happy and, and joyful. But after, after listening to it for a while, I kind of get the sense that it is also a bit somber at times. And it really just depends on where you are and what you're doing while you're, while you're listening to it. Because an, an example of that is when, when you stumble upon a Nomai village on the Ember Twin, it starts to play this very, very soft piano that is kind of calming, but at the same time, it is also kind of sad because they're gone, they're dead. But you know, you get to see, you know, a, a civilization that uh, is like eight hundred million years old. Yeah, the, 
the music is pretty special in this game. It's it's a it's a quiet game, and yeah. I think that's the thing that when I think about the music, I'm also thinking about where it isn't. Um, the sounds that are, I mean, you're not hearing like a, like whenever yeah, you're talking yeah. to somebody, for example, you know, like sometimes in Zelda, they'll be like, bah, 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 you know, um, there's none of that. It's just sort of text prompting and, and silence. When you're in space, you can hear your jets, yeah. uh, the jets of your spaceship. And when the music hits, it hits at those moments that are somewhat dramatic. Like mm-hmm. you were describing, you r- reveal sort of, I, I think, doesn't it happen when you turn the lights up? Yeah, in the in the civilization on Ember Twin, and it's like this dramatic moment of you know there's an energy source that you're kind of harnessing throughout the game, and that the Nomai built, and you're figuring out how to use it. Um, but when this dramatic moment happens, then there's a small piece of music that plays, but you know, and that, then you you're kind of left with it kind of echoes because then it's gone and you're silent again. Yeah, uh, you know, you're alone exploring this cavernous, you know, civilization of this long dead people. And you know, you have something to do and you know, the time yeah. is running out. But you also need to appreciate the fact that you've stumbled upon this really incredible thing. Mm-hmm. I was struck by the role that sound plays in this game just right from the get go when they have you um, on, on uh, what is it, uh, Timberhearth playing with your sound machine as part of like yeah. going around and sort of learning you're on your way to get the launch codes. And so I, I wondered about, you know, what is, what is the value of sound or noise or what have you freak noise, sound frequencies going to be in the game. And I, I understand the, the function that it plays as an aid to the player as well. But I think that that also only seeks to elevate the power of the music that you hear when you hear it. Yeah. Um, none of which is more powerful haunting than when time is is just about run out. Yeah. The the theme for the the supernova itself, like that that you hear where you've got about a minute left and that particular track plays, it's yeah, it, it is a little bit haunting, but after a while I started to just kind of be calmed by it, I think. You know, I, I would I would kind of get anxious about like, well, how much time do I really have left? I don't know. And then when that track plays, I think to myself, well, I'm I'm really out of time. This is it. And whatever I'm doing right now, I I can finish up, but I, I just have to be ready to go.
I don't know if I don't know what it is about this game, but uh, it could have been that particular music track. It could have just been so many different deaths that I had over the course of playing this, or it just could have been me thinking about it. But this game in particular, and it could have been the track itself, but this game in particular made me less afraid of death in real life. Like it really just, it it calmed my my sense of fear when it comes to dying. That That's the effect that this game has on me just thinking about life and the the amount of time that we have. It's just something about making the most of, of what you have and, and really just enjoying what you're seeing because, uh, there, there is incredible stuff out there to, to find, and you're really just going to have to appreciate what it is that you stumble upon. That is, that is like getting very philosophical, which I love because we're talking about, uh, the, the idea of presence in the moment, right? like tempering your ambitions to actually realize that life is happening in front of you right now. Yeah. Um, I have thoughts about this specifically about the ending of the game, but I don't think we're ready to get there yet. <laughs> I will say this though, this kind of, and I, I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about this before uh, as we were preparing for this, but the idea of patience in gameplay, like I, I'm not a, I'm not a very patient person. And I think a lot of people would, probably identify with that too we're you know we could you know hashtag age of instant gratification whatever <laughs> it's, it's nonsense uh simple fact is i'm i i have to practice patience in order to be more patient and not a lot of things in life uh force me to practice patience i don't go to the dmv every day yeah you know what i mean but so i and i talked with a few people even in my friend group who haven't who haven't finished this game they're like man it's it's just so hard it's so hard to to do this game because where do i go with this and i and all of a sudden the sun explodes and i'm dead and i found that i really needed to be in a specific frame of mind to enjoy playing this game because if i were in a frame of mind where i'm like i gotta go 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 i need to get this i need to accomplish that my constant replays like reboots respawns i would feel more and more impatient about getting back to where i was to follow through on whatever line of inquiry i had or whatever whatever thing i i figured i ought to accomplish yeah um, and i found that at that at those times it was time for me to just turn it off you know but but when i was in the right headspace of being open and receptive to what was in front of me and really actually more following my whimsy i i found that i was i i I discovered just as much i mean maybe i got a little bit more like for a certain puzzle with that hyper focus but when i was more patient with it and just open to the idea that yeah i mean i've got 22 minutes and then i'll have another 22 minutes and you know and whatever i find i find i mean it's 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 a beautiful gameplay i really enjoyed it quite a bit more yeah. So, yeah. and it actually kind of helped me to practice that patience a little bit too. When I when I recognized it was like, man, I need to, I need to chill out is what <laughs> I need to do. <laughs> Just want to go explore and find whatever I find. That's it. But even if you yeah. do, if you do have a specific focus, the game at most times will still force you to slow down and sometimes even wait. Like an example of that is in the Ember Twin when you go looking for that power source. They have the 
the high energy lab that is at the bottom of the the sunless city and you get you can you know beeline your way down to the sunless city open the door to the the pathway that leads to the high energy lab but to get to the lab you have to wait for the sand to rise to then carry you over the many very sharp pointy cactus thorns that are in front of you and then you have an open way to the high energy lab and the game forcing you to wait really just teaches it, it teaches patience uh in in knowing that like okay well i know i want to get there but you know i i have to wait for for my ride to come you know i can't just go there myself yeah i think the hourglass twins uh were the points in the game where i was at times profoundly frustrated <laughs> because of that enforced wait time which makes yeah. sense because the whole the whole damn thing's a clock you know it's yeah uh it's it's and moving from one end to the other to actually track things down um that particular moment uh in the in the ember twin was one where i i did have like i was like i've done this like three times it takes me x amount of time energy focus to get from the blast off like the mm-hmm. launch pad to this place i am very frustrated i need to just like i need to just stop yeah yeah <laughs> and when i did that and I, I you know it's kind of turning over in your mind in the back of your mind um is when i was like oh i i'm just being i'm just i'm just moving too fast like clearly clearly i have to use the sand the sand is there yeah so i'm i'm gonna be more patient the next time i get in there which was probably the next day or so and then um that was a very rewarding thing to finally get to i'll be honest oh yeah so in in the higher energy lab did you play around with the black hole testing and stuff oh cool there there is a very specific achievement or or trophy in the game that yeah i don't know if this is on switch because you played this on switch but there is uh a very specific uh, trophy that you can earn that is is where you shoot uh, a scout from your your gun into the black hole and it comes out the the white dwarf right next to you but you can power up the the energy source further to make that that uh time dilation window that they talk about even wider so the the scout comes out of the white dwarf even earlier than it enters the black hole and if you time it just right to shut down the whole uh like experiment lab uh before your scout enters the black hole you end up with two scouts on the ground and that's an achievement that you can get that i i did this time around again just to see it happen because when you do that it creates a paradox and the game recognizes that as a paradox and you get a special ending that you might not see if you didn't try this but reality breaks and uh it's it's pretty spectacular so steve if you if you didn't do this go check it out on youtube or go try it yourself <laughs> go try it yourself but I'm about to do that. uh That's it is fantastic. is That's very awesome. is very funny and and so like i i did that on like i was on on the couch carrie was on the couch next to me she was watching and i was like oh yeah two cool two scouts all right and then things started to get really wacky and and go haywire and then the credits roll and she just looks at me and goes, what did you do? 
Kevin. So it, you actually it rolled the credits. You broke yeah. time. So of course the time loop's not gonna keep going. That's <laughs> so this this is what we love about games made by nerds. Yeah. For nerds. This is just wonderful. That's that's great. Hilarious. I, I had no idea. Yeah. I didn't play around with it that much. I definitely played around with it until the end of the cycle because I was like, damn it, I worked so hard to get in here. I was so frustrated for yeah. a while. I really feel the reward of being in here and when I started playing around with stuff. But also, just even playing around in there is what gave me the nugget of an idea that I would need to actually push the game toward its conclusion, you know, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something I just really admire about this game and the structure of this game is how uh i'm like i'm playing around with this thing because i'm interested i'm curious i'm like well i made it here i might as well see what these different you know energy sources do this black hole white dwarf thing whatever let's just play with it um and it just so happened that being curious about it and playing with it was one of the things you needed to do in order to understand how to do the thing later yeah (laughs) Yeah, this is great. Like, that's incredible design. It's and that is the the magic of discovery when it comes to this game. And that that's that's like one of the best moments uh, of playing this game. It's like you're you're just dicking around and just like, oh, cool. Like, all right, like this is fun. This is neat. And then suddenly it's like, wait a second. If this works here and I go try this somewhere else and it means that I can do this this is going to open up a whole new pathway for me. What is the next planet that we should talk about? I feel like Giants Deep. I'm going to be honest. Giants Deep is my favorite planet out of all of these, and I, and I really want to talk about this one. Um, it made me think of Interstellar, yeah, which was pretty. Yeah, uh, absolutely, because it is a gas giant uh, that is is green, and when you fly into it, it has an ocean surface, and uh, you might. You you might not see this when you when you first fly into it, but when I did, it was like, okay, cool. I fly down into it. Oh, cool. There's ocean, and then I turn my ship to look upward at the horizon, and there are giant tornadoes everywhere. And it is, let's just say, foreboding and a little scary because it's just kind of like, what do I do about this? Because I, I know that flying into one of those is going to be a bad idea. But there's that that is another like one of the more magical moments of the game where you, you just like, don't know what you're expecting. Don't know what to expect. And flying into it is just incredible to see the first time. It's, it's uh it's foreboding. It's impressive after. So I, I made it to giant steep after having crash landed a few too many times. So I was very cautious <laughs> about how I entered. <laughs> Um, and the storms were really cool and I went to check them out and realized that I did, I wouldn't get sucked into them. Like I thought I might get Mm kind of get sucked into them. So I I like flew between them and around them and stuff. 
And then I thought, okay, these are interesting features. I went and I found one of those like glowy landy pads. Uh, so yeah. the, the Nomai create these landing pads, uh, especially on this planet where the, the blue lights are going down as in to like create a gravitational pull to, to hold your ship or whomever down. And I was looking around and uh, that's when one of those storms hit and I, I got flung and thrown about and I had no idea what was going on. Right. Yeah. Um, so I returned. Well, I died, obviously. Yeah. But, but like the, the, the tornado itself throws the entire island up into space. Like that's what I was going to say. I didn't, I had no clue that like, I thought I just got whipped around on the planet. No, when, when I kept looking around and I, I realized those things would hold me down, it wasn't until I found our fellow traveler on that planet who said, you can hang out here. It just goes up into space and back down again. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and when I got onto my, my got into my ship, I was like, I have to see this. So the whole storm came, flew it up. I yeah. blasted off just a little bit to get a good view. And it, like the, the whole island was in space. <laughs> I was like, this is incredible. And then it comes crashing down. It comes crashing down back onto the ocean. And if you're on the island, when it crashes down, you just die because the yeah. gravity like like it it is you know it's just like falling like onto the planet's surface that's it but which is why yeah. the, our traveler friend is lay, lying in a hammock he's yeah. like you brilliant bastard <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me i needed a hammock i died after talking to you <laughs> that or or if you find one of the gravity pads that you can stand on one of those and uh, again like this goes back to the patients but like you can get into one of their laboratories where they've been doing some research on one of these islands and there's these different like pads that you can sp- stand on that will shield you from that gravity impact when the island comes back down. And there's uh, one of those moments where, again, like talking about patients, where like there's a ledge that has some clues up on top of it that you want to get to but there's no way to get up there so what you have to do is wait for you have to like stay in this cave uh on on one of the lower like platforms wait for one of the tornadoes to come by and lift the entire island up into space and then while the island is in space you have to float over to this ledge that you want to reach and in enough time you also have to get into the the gravity pad that is on this ledge and stay there until the island comes back down. But I I remember like going going there, getting into the cave, and then uh, just standing there waiting like four or five minutes for another storm to come by. And Carrie again on the couch said to me like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I'm just you know waiting for a ride. That's all." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. That, for, for as frustrated as I was with that moment on Am- Ember Twin that we were talking about with the sand and having to wait, that was one where that was one of the first times that I felt like a genuine sense of like brilliance and accomplishment at yeah. the the game puzzle. Um, was like, oh, I'm gonna wait on this pad. Okay, the the storm passed. I came crashing back down. Oh shoot, I need to use that to get up there. And then I had to wait for another storm to come by. And then yeah. I did it. It's like. Yes. <laughs> of course like, then the cycle in yeah yeah oh, all right. <laughs> but still yeah yeah uh also like the just the idea that the giant's deep is is a completely ocean planet and just the sense of like swimming through water with 
no like ground beneath you feels very unsettling and like there there's nothing there that is going to harm you specifically like that, that is going to like like go hunting for you this is not subnautica which is a, a fantastic game as well but that's a, a game about monsters in the water uh this one is like there's no there's no creature in the water that's going to come after you so um you don't need to worry about that but Every once in a while, you might look down and see one of those giant jellyfish that are way deep in Giant's Deep. And it, it's just kind of like, oh, what is that down there? Like, hmm, I, I feel a little uncomfortable, but I want to know what's down there. So, like, how did you end up figuring out that you can get beneath the surface using the tornadoes? This this was, uh, I I became weak and I... Oh. I queried the internet. <laughs> this was one where I like I for for most of these planets, uh, I was able to work through it in my own time. I found out uh, that the the clue to it, I found the clue to it later. Yeah, but it was on. I think it was on Brittle Hollow. Yeah, it's and it's it, out of Brittle Hollow. Yeah, yeah, and it just took it took me. I was on Brittle Hollow doing so much there for so long that I just couldn't be there anymore. And then I started looking at Giant's Deep, and then I I never went back to Brittle Hollow because I was like, I know there's stuff to explore, but I feel like I've gotten most of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I finally was like, dang it, I really want to get through here. I I've I've tracked down the dark bramble clue for like how to do it. So I just. I tried crashing my ship in. I didn't have enough velocity because I, I guess you can do that too. Yeah, you can. Um, so I, I thought I, had... I, I did that uh, at one point and it wasn't powerful enough. Uh, there is an achievement for for you to, or a trophy to do that where you, you just like slam into the planet at, at a great enough speed to get beneath the current. The time that I, I started trying to do that, I again accidentally um, shot straight into the sun because I backed up so far that uh by the time i started to rocket back towards giant steep it had gone around the sun and i just flew straight through it and like really i came out the other side as my ship was burning up so that's how fast i was going through the sun (laughs) but (laughs) but it was like okay well i i saw giant steep also on the other side of the sun coming out of it but my my ship exploded but then like at one point, I accidentally flew into one of the tornadoes, and this just so happened to be the one that will shoot you down instead of up. And that's where I, I was like, oh, well, some of these tornadoes will take you down. Okay. Which ones? And and I had to like sit there for pretty much a whole loop and try and figure out like, oh, there's only one that is turning the other direction. And that's how you identify it. But I, I'll admit, yeah, that clue will definitely drive people to look up answers online because it's it's in a very hard spot to reach on uh on brittle hollow yeah um so so like yeah let's talk about brittle hollow a lot uh because this one i think is probably the most frustrating planet to visit well it falls apart <laughs> <laughs> hence the name brittle hollow oh, yes uh so <laughs> it is It is a hollow planet that has a black hole at the center of it. And over the course of the time loop, pieces of this planet fall into the black hole and then get spit out at a different, uh, different place in the solar system. But 
this this for me also was like the most frustrating place to visit because I would so often be like standing on the platform that would start to fall into the black hole and I'd be like, well, I guess that's the end of my run. The other thing that was frustrating about it um, is that uh, because it's falling apart, you like you really have to work hard to figure out how it's going to fall apart over time. Um, And it's not I don't believe it's consistent uh, because it's spinning around and it's kind of getting exploded by the um, the lantern, which is shooting out these like. Um, what do you i mean what what do you call them like meteors like like they are lava meteors yeah yeah just like pop 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 just shooting them off uh so i i don't think that the way that it falls apart is ever very consistent and so i found myself coming to places on the planet where i maybe it's early in the loop maybe it's late in the loop um but i it was like impassable Though mm-hmm. that's like where I eventually wound up, no matter where I'm in the loop. And then I, you know, if it were early, I'd try and come back later to see if there was any change. But if it were late in the loop, then I would try and come to that place a lot faster, you know. And and some things are just broken, you know. Like it, yeah. The other thing about Little Hollow is that there's this uh, ancient. This is where the Nomai were like living, right? This was their main civilization. Um, and so there's a lot to learn and explore in the space. Um, but that also means that like these these humanoid created structures have been falling apart before the planet start getting starts getting blasted with like meteors from the lantern. So that was it was hard for me to figure out if something was like broken because it was designed to be that way by the game designers or if it was broken because over time the whole thing kind of breaks apart. Um, and so that's that's one reason why it was hard for me to like after a certain number of runs there where I'm also falling through and getting popped out you know at the white dwarf station and be yeah. like gosh i'm i'm across the freaking solar system from and i don't have my ship so <laughs> you know i you know and i know that you can you can get transported back but um it's it's just uh yeah it, it was unfortunate that i like missed that clue because i feel like i could have done an active yeah. playthrough without having to like talk to the internet if i had just found that one thing or if i just been a little bit more patient you know mm-hmm. But Brittle Hollow is like frustrating and also fascinating. I yeah. mean, to to actually look at the civilization uh, was was so cool. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get. I'll tell you something that frustrated me. That I it, I was frustrated that I didn't know this earlier on. But if you take your scout launcher and just shoot it at the ground of wherever you're standing, it will tell you the surface integrity of that that platform and the lower the integrity the sooner it will fall into the black hole i want that yeah (laughs) so there that's one key piece of of thing of information that like the game doesn't tell you but you know if you try it it works so that's convenient there there are certain spots in brittle hollow that you have to really do have to wait for like you mentioned earlier on, like before we started recording, you wanted to talk about the the towers of quantum knowledge, and there's one of those on Brittle Hollow. I remember being really frustrated the first time I played this, trying to get to the top of that tower because there's a clue as to like how to solve the great mystery of this solar system, 
you have to wait for it to fall into the black hole, and then you have to float to the top of that tower when it's just floating out in space. That, again, teaches patience, but I didn't know that about your scout, that you have to, like, you can monitor the the time that it has left before it falls in by mm-hmm. using that that scout. So, I, like, you really do have to to use your patience for this this particular part of the game. You know, what what was it about the Towers of Quantum Knowledge that you really found fascinating? Well, your 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 uh, interest is peaked on Timber Hearth with these with uh, when you go up to the museum yeah. of space travel and there's just the quantum garden uh, and where you look at a rock and then you look away and then you look back and the rock is gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, it's like wait Wait a it, minute. It's not just gone, but like there are three spots that it that it can be at, and it just changes the location of those of the rock. Like, like it just jumps from one to the next, and the same thing happens with a rock that you find in Ember Twin and uh, any other place. But like the there are these rocks all over the solar system that will just relocate in a room every once in a while. Well, I, I suppose isn't the theory like. Um... That they they exist in all places, but only only when you perceive them are they established as like a, a singular a singularity in time, right? Yeah. Like a Schrod- Schrodinger's cat idea, right? The cat is both alive and dead until you open the box and confirm one of these two realities. Right, right. So I I like that was going through my head when I was in this like quantum garden. It was like okay, I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why this here, like <laughs> you know, but. <laughs> I'm definitely interested in this. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, uh, I was, I, whenever I picked like, uh, whenever I used the noise machine and, and picked mm-hmm. up like a quantum fluctuation, which kind of directs you to, uh, one of these rock formations, um, these little stones, uh, I would always seek it out because I was just, I was just interested in general. Yeah. And so when I started, when I, um, started, seeing that there was actually like a line of inquiry made by the nomai into this phenomenon like it was like oh i well if they've written about it then i can follow that line of thinking and i was frustrated on giant steep and flying around and obviously not able to puncture the atmosphere but i saw the really big storm and was like let's go check it out when i flew into it that's when i um had one of those amazing discoveries of a feeling of awe myself when i saw this huge tower structure that had been wreathed in storm and Mm -hmm. and cyclonic energy so i obviously i was i was interested i didn't realize that that had anything to do with the quantum um quantum information but it was just so epic you know that like the position of it and how dramatically it's portrayed in the game that i i went in and um had to play around with like some some of the the quantum learnings quantum theories and was like this is just awesome man um (laughs) this is just so cool uh so obviously then i was like well in that one it says there are other other quantum destinations right the the pilgrims would go on their journey to to learn more about this uh this idea and to to investigate it further and so i was like well i feel like i'm a bit of a pilgrim myself right now so want to go check that out do you remember that first moment where you were standing on one of the the quantum rocks and then you just turn your flashlight off and then turn it back on so i actually 
Um, so that was part of the mystery on Ember Twin, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's when I found it. I, I suppose you could have done it in any other places, right? But um, I just, I just, I was more like uh, I'd been theorizing about it, and mm-hmm. obviously building up my thought on it based on the the reports, like that the Nomai would leave on recordings or whatever. Yeah. Um, that you you translate with your little device, and I remember just being like, okay, I'm gonna turn off my light. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and when I turned it on again, I went. Whoop. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. No, I'm in a different cave <laughs> that has no exit. Like <laughs> But yeah, like it's like, oh, all right. Like this works. Like <laughs> it's it's fun. I the quantum bit of of this game was really interesting to me. Yeah. Just whatever whatever part of my brain gets fired up about this uh this this kind of subject matter that 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 definitely set my brain on fire a little bit really like that yeah yeah and the 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 tower on giants deep has you solve these puzzles and these were like like some really great brain teasers you have to understand how the this quantum idea works where if you're not looking at something it goes to a different location when you you turn back so like you have to figure out how to climb this wall that has crystals that are are placed differently. But if you take your eyes off of one of the crystals, then it moves to a different location. And if you take your eyes off the crystal that you're using to climb the wall, because these, these are gravity crystals that make it so you can stand on walls. If you're, if you're not looking at the one that you're using to stand on the wall, it just disappears and goes somewhere else. That was one of the, like, the more intriguing puzzles were like, as soon as I, I was like solving it, I was feeling more and more smart myself. So uh, I love those yeah. puzzles that make you feel like you're a really intelligent person. I like being convinced of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> like the game designer, just like, let me throw it. Let me throw you a little crumb. Here's a, here's a crumb. Here you're, you go. Figuring here, it out. Here, here you go. Good yeah. Boy. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I did want to draw a connection with the quantum materials and uh, the Doctor Who. I don't know if you've uh, if you watched Doctor Who at all, but the thing that I what what also stood out to me about that tower, say this, is you have the wall walking, the gravity crystals on the wall to move up and down, but in between those, there's just like a place, right, with like sand on the floor where you're trying to make sure that the crystal goes in a certain place, but it's dark. Yeah. And it made me think of the weeping angels oh, in yeah. Doctor Who where yeah. they move so quickly but when they can't move when you're looking at them, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you they go from being weeping and get closer and closer and all of a sudden they're snarling and they're right in your face yeah. and you like can't take your eyes off of them or they'll kill you. I that's what was in my head in that tower and I was like, "God, oh, I have to get out of here. This is <laughs> this is crazy. I I'm going to die. This this <laughs> rock is going to appear above me. I you know, I don't know what's going on." It's going to kill you when you're not looking. That's the, the whole fear. Oh, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but then, like, it, it's a relief when you when you have to climb the, the tower on Brittle Hollow, and it's just it, it's just a single puzzle. So, like, thankfully, you don't have to solve all these puzzles in zero gravity. It's just, like, you have to travel up to the top. That's all. And, you know, you have only, like, two minutes to before the, the sun explodes for you to to get enough knowledge there because it does fall through the, the black hole pretty late, but Mm -hmm. you know what, once you've gotten all that information, then 
you've gotten all the clues that you need to figure out a way to land on the quantum moon, which was like one of those moments where I was just kind of like, this is amazing. I can't wait to see what's behind this curtain, especially because I noticed that there is a moon that is, you know, existing in around one planet and then it's not on another. Uh, There were even a couple instances where I would start a loop and you start the loop by seeing the by seeing giants deep up above you and your character blinks a couple of times. And in one of those blinks, you might see the moon and then it's gone Mm -hmm. in the next blink. So like that one was interesting. Or there was one time even where uh, he blinked and the the moon was orbiting Timberhearth and it was like Mm -hmm. taking up most of the sky. And then it was gone after he blinked again. And I was like, whoa, what was that? So I, I had seen that moon. And then once I finally like was flying around and had the chance to fly to it, I was like, okay, we're going to find out what the hell's up with this thing. And I flew into the moon and I didn't realize that it was like a fog. It was covered in a fog. So as soon as you fly into it, you lose your vision and you just fly out the other end and it disappears. So you can't really land on it. Until you've gathered up those clues and learned that, like, once you take a picture of something, it stays there. And so you have to take a picture of the moon and then try and land on it. So I flew, I flew through it a few times. Yeah. Um, cause I was like, well, maybe, maybe it was in orbit and I just like skimmed mm-hmm. it or something and, and now it's gone. Um, and so I flew through it a few times and was like, I don't have enough information about whatever this thing is. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to mess anymore. <laughs> but when I finally did, uh, gather up the clues and the information landing on that, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's always the same. So it seems like every time that I landed on it, I landed on it in, uh, and it looked like Timber Hearth. Was that true for you as well? Well, it looks like whatever planet it's orbiting. So it, so it must be that each time that I captured it, right, I was I was around Timber Hearth because uh, every time the first time that I broke through, it yeah. was like this bizarro. It was like Timber Hearth, but the upside down, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. Oh my God, where is this? And the, the answer is it's everywhere, you know, like you're everywhere right now. So, and it, and it, uh, it took me a minute to also to figure out like, you know, you find the tower, but in order to solve mm-hmm. the, the moon, that took me a, a couple of different iterations of like coming to that space and thinking through the problem. And yeah. that was another one where I, I felt very accomplished at like, figuring out what I needed to do in order to to crack the code or what have you to get to the uh, to get to the other side of it, right? Because you always land on one hemisphere and you mm-hmm. need to get to the other. You can only do that by positioning the tower in the right place and yeah. 
Oh man, that that was that was a really fun puzzle. I I really yeah. enjoyed that. Not not just positioning the tower, but then when you go into the tower, you have to turn turn your light off and then turn it back on. And you know, when when you've done that, the moon itself has moved because you're not observing the surface of the moon anymore, and that means it can go wherever it wants. And you have to get it to land and land around the right planet. So then your environment is much more open and then you can start traveling to that other hemisphere. But then once you do, you have to get into a tower again and get it to travel to the eye of the universe, which is what the Nomai have been seeking out. But, you know, it is this very alien looking world. It it has got a surface that looks like the quantum rocks. And this is probably the true form of the quantum moon. And then you have to make your way through the, through a maze that will take you back down to the hemisphere that you started in. And there you get to meet one of the Nomai, who's like the last surviving Nomai that is in the middle of his pilgrimage. And because he is on this quantum moon, he is neither alive or dead. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just thought of that when you were talking about the cat. And it's like, oh, that's why he's still alive, because he's Schrodinger's cat. Mm-hmm. He's neither alive or dead. I, I actually I actually gasped when I saw that guy, <laughs> because I real I, that's what I was thinking. It was like, oh, of course, this is the person who said they're going on the tree. You know, you're tracking all the drawings yeah. and all well, I say the drawings, all the all the inscribed writings. And there's this one pilgrim who is finding their way to the quantum moon. And, and those are the clues that you're picking up along the way to figure out how to get there yourself. And then you actually meet that pilgrim there because whatever happened, the loop in the in the solar system has begun. Mm-hmm. And this person is outside of that time. And so they're outside of time in general. They don't they exist and they don't yeah. constantly. Um, and yeah. I, when I saw that it was actually a, a Nomai standing there, I was I I actually gasped i went oh oh my god (laughs) it's it's one of them oh my god yeah it's Uh, yeah i i i remember like finding it it's like i can't believe it like like they actually like he's he's still here It, it is one of those beautiful moments where you you're talking to somebody and you don't really have a great way to to talk to each other he just gives you a set of stones that have symbols on them and that's about the only way that you can talk to him. Then he he talks to you and you have a translator that translates his language, but there's no way to to really have a, a deeper conversation with him. He just says things that that give you more clues to what you're doing and where you're going. But uh, it's also very heartwarming because at the end of it, if you combine two specific stones together, that's the stone for him and the stone for me he says you know i i don't know if we can talk that much together like we don't have the the language for each other but i do see us as friends and it's very heartwarming to just see how a mutual interest in this quantum moon brought two people together it's uh it's a a commonality in the the pursuit of knowledge or Rather, maybe it's just the pursuit of satisfying curiosity. 
Yeah. Right. And I, I think I think that interaction on the Kwanzaa moon, one of the reasons why I like that so much is because it speaks to a lot of what I think this game is about, which I want to get into once we get to the ending, because the ending is just the ending is bonkers. Yeah. Um, but in a really great way. But it it it, it is uh, it is heartwarming, though, mm-hmm. because it is like, you know, what is uniting us in the? It's that we're. uh we want to know what that thing is. Yeah. Right. Isn't, isn't that amazing? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it, it It's great how curiosity can just you know, like bring people together. Yeah. It It is. It, it is one of the more beautiful moments of the game. After I went through that whole conversation, I was just like, I kind of just want to stay here for the rest of the loop. Just for this, this turn, this time around. And then, you know, I'll, I'll start exploring again. But for now, I just want to hang out here. Because this is kind of nice to just like have a friend at the end of the world. Yeah, that I. It's funny. I I actually did the same thing. It's <laughs> like, ah, this yeah. this is truly the end of the line uh, for in in a lot of regards. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is as good a place as any. And I've just been chatting with this dude. So yeah, let's 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 wait it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, there there are other spots to explore in the in the solar system though. Did you figure out a way to get into the interloper, which is the the comet that is circling its way around the the sun as well? Yes, I did. Oh, uh, it was it was hard one. It was hard one knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one where uh, my son was asleep on a nap, but I said I have an hour and a half to two hours to figure out how to get into this damn comet, and if I can't <laughs> after that point. I'm going to ask the internet and yeah, it just yeah. so happened after after like three or four tries. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was like reaching the end of my like personal time limit to do this thing was when I was like, I'm going to ride this. <laughs> I'm going to ride this MF into the sun. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was really interesting. Yeah, um, because once you're inside, it's. Uh, I. I it it really so I I I after starting on Brittle Hollow and moving all around, I finally decided like uh, Dark Bramble is where I'm most interested, and um, I kind of figured that there was some relation between those two, the interloper, yeah. which is just like zooming in and out of the solar system, because um, because there's some writing that says it came late, you know, yeah. they, there's a comet that's come into our solar system late, and I was like, mm, that seems like it's related to the planet being broken up by the whatever the hell this thing is for dark bramble um and getting into the center of um the interloper was uh was like i don't know it kind of scared me is yeah. what is what i would want to say it like the the journey in was a little like tough because of ghost matter being in the way and stuff yeah um, so but uh, it scared me yeah for so ghost matter being this the the radiate just a radiation zone that you can't travel through yeah is you know if if you do it just kills you but like you learn the origins of ghost matter which is peppered throughout the the solar system and learning that it was what killed the nomai was kind of sad but getting like you have to like slide on the ice down through the, these ice tunnels and you know figure out how to avoid the ghost matter that's in them uh using your your scout camera which is is just fascinating because i felt so smart like shooting the scout into 
the these like ice holes and like taking pictures along the way and just like snapping them so that I could see the the trail of ghost matter that was going through which ones and which ones were safe. But when you get to the center and you find that there was, you know, inside this comet, there was a highly condensed ghost matter that then ruptured and spread throughout the solar system, killing everybody. It was just kind of sad because then you're, you're just thinking like, oh, well, like this means that I'm really not going to meet any other Nomai. But then, you know, when you do land on the quantum moon, that's what makes it so rewarding and so joyful that like, oh, there is still one here. Mm -hmm. But like this, knowing the source of what made them go extinct was pretty sad. Yeah. And the, the form that it takes too, is just being like a plant right within, within the comet. I don't know. Like I said, it just kind of, it, it left me unnerved. Um, Because uh, for me, it's it's just been like an obstacle to avoid throughout my adventures as, uh, okay, I see it. Don't go there. <laughs> you never really thought about it as maybe that's what that's all that's what remains of a much wider dispersal. Right. I never thought about it as like pockets of this matter uh, still hanging out after the rest of it is burnt off. Right. And, and yeah. it just kind of like blanketed the civilization and, and, and killed everybody mm-hmm. uh, because that definitely was on the mind as I'm adventuring, going around and just like finding, you know, bones and stuff. I mean, just this was a sudden ending to these yeah. people, right? It was a catastrophic ending. Basically you're like, it's like you're walking into Pompeii yeah, um, where the, the, the bodies are encased in ash and, you know, and preserved in that way. Or, or I think at this point it's just ash, right? Yeah. Um, but that's what you're seeing. And so it, it, you're walking around and realizing something disastrous befell like an entire civilization and finding it is poignant and, uh, and a little scary. There are other parts of the the solar system, though, that we haven't talked about. Uh, one of them is the sun station. Getting the sun station is really cool. It's one of my most favorite spots in the whole game. Getting to the sun station felt like one of those moments where it's like, oh, my God, what am I going to find here? Kind of things. Um, and that is yeah. where the music swelled again, right? Yeah. Where when you have to jump from one or you have to move from one side to the other yeah. across the surface of the sun and all of a sudden the music is swelling up. You're like, I, it made me manic. I was like, oh, get over there. <laughs> I, like, I almost killed myself impacting with the side. I'm not even kidding. It went too fast. Like I was immediately reminded of that moment in the, in the movie Sunshine, if you ever saw that, where one guy jumps from uh, one part of the spaceship to the other through like open space and the music just swells as he's doing it. But like getting in there is just like the, 
the immense sense of discovery, it, it feels so good. And, and like, once you figure out like, oh, I can teleport to the sun station and then like get, get across the, the open gap and find out what they were trying to do on this thing. It's pretty amazing. And I didn't realize there was a sun station for like the first few times that I was playing it. But every once in a while, I'd look at the sun and thought I saw something and be like, hmm, what was, was there something there? No, no. It felt I tried so to good. land on it one time. You did? I tried one time there and is- said, holy <laughs> hell, this thing's moving. <laughs> There's yeah, yeah. no way that I'm doing this. There, there is a, there's a trophy for doing that. And I'll tell you the, the one time I actually did it, my heart was racing so fast because I was just like, Oh God, God. And like doing it there, there are different methods to actually landing on the sun station because like, yes, you can teleport to the sun station using the Ash twin project. And there's that whole thing. That's the easy way. The hard way is flying your ship to the sun station. and. Okay, we we've we've had a couple of space games on the game club before and flying like like an everspace flying feels really easy and and feels really cool. Flying your ship in this game feels like training for NASA where it is very scientific, it is physics based and you are probably going to crash. But if you can figure out how to fly, you can do some really cool stuff. So you have to somehow maneuver yourself to uh, like, this is how I did it, but you have to maneuver yourself to be orbiting the sun and then have the sun station catch up to you. And then when you're close enough, you have your targeting computer match the speed and velocity of the sun station. Then you're floating in tandem with it. But because the gravity of the sun is so powerful, you don't want to get up because when I, when I tried to do that one time, my, like my characters, like he just got shoved to the back of the spaceship and that was it. I couldn't move. I couldn't even like, I, I had to like start and I had to restart the loop because I was like, I can't do anything right now. I'm glitching out in, in my ship. But what you have to do is I just like, love that program. Yeah, that's great. You, you <laughs> You cannot get up from your cockpit. You have to stay in the ship and then you have to turn and look at the eject button that is to your right side and you have to flip that up and make sure your cockpit is facing the doorway that you want to get in. You have to hit the eject button and the cockpit itself rockets forward and slams into the side of the sun station that you want to be in. Because the cockpit is way too big for the doorway. So then you then what you can do is get up and get out of your seat because you're free floating outside of your ship now. And you have to like jetpack yourself into the door of the sun station. And that's how you get on. This whole time I'm just like I, I'm I'm just like, okay, well, nobody move. Just like we we are in we we are like in orbit with the sun station now. Don't move. Okay. And make sure we are kind of lined up with the the right doorway. Okay, like ready to eject? No, no, no. Hold on, I'm not ready. Okay, now <laughs> and hit it, and like it ejects, goes forward. the The cockpit slams into the wall of the sun station, and the the glass cracks. And you're just like, well, my ship is destroyed, but who cares? I'm on the sun station. It's like, okay, 
again, like it's intent. get inside. My heart is racing. I'm like, I can't believe I just did it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's one of those things where, like I said, I tried, I tried one time was like, Oh God. Mm-hmm. And then in my brain, like my brain said, it's theoretically possible because I have a spaceship. Yeah. Right. And I so like, I could do this maybe. And then my, then the, the, the rational part of my brain said, there's an easier way to do this. Yeah. There had, they, they programmed a better way for me to do this. And so I, I, I went and explored. Yeah. And I never went back and tried again. Cause it, I, it, I failed epically. It, <laughs> it wasn't pretty. It I'll wasn't tell you like anything positive to come from it for me to be like, Oh, I could try this next time. Yeah. Like, Nope. I just failed. <laughs> I'll tell you, like it took so many tries for me to, to get that right. But I, I, it was like, I was thinking, I really want to see if I can make this happen. This is going to be really cool. So I, I definitely saved the video of myself doing that. You can you can see some crazy stuff on YouTube of like people doing it without the ship. They just rocket off the planet in their spacesuit and then figure out a way to to like land on the sun station without a ship. That's bananas. I'm yeah, sorry. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. The one place we haven't talked about yet is Dark Bramble. And it, it is your favorite. I was for the longest time i was like why do i have this stupid sound thing like, <laughs> i'm not even kidding it was like what am, what am i using this for so yeah. i can find my my pals right my yeah pals somewhere is a magic wand um, that lets you hear like frequencies yeah and like their little music that they're playing you know um like the drums yeah. and the the bassoon i think it's a bassoon I, or it's, it's some kind of a woodwind yeah but but if, um, if you fly out of the solar system you can get them all to line up on one frequency and then like you can hear them all at once it's very nice you're the mute yeah i so but when i the first time i went to dark bramble i just kind of was like well let's go see whatever whatever the hell this thing is let's let's check it out and i popped in there and uh obviously i i saw scary fish i saw <laughs> it was very misty and weird and all of a sudden i was floating backwards out of it and i was like this is very strange and in subsequent playthroughs, I found the bramble that was on um, Timberheart just yeah. because um, interestingly, I like I, I it took me a long time to actually explore Timberheart because I was so interested in what was out there. Yeah, uh, but there's a lot on Timberheart, too. Um, and I found that bramble and um, I shot my scout through it because you know, I because I could hear right use the sound machine. You mm-hmm. can hear the long lost member of, of the expedi- exploration. And so I realized that that person was that that was how I realized they were in uh, Dark Bramble. Yeah. And then I further realized like, oh, I mean, sound frequencies are a way that I could use to navigate a labyrinth. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm if I'm being taken towards and that was my theory. And then because it turned out to be true, again, that like that really nice sense of accomplishment at like I I had an idea. This puzzle was hard. There was very little to go on. And so I just I tested this thing and it worked out. I liked it because it was challenging, you know, like there were, I, I, even after I'd figured out how to use my noise, uh, my frequency monitor, mm-hmm. I'll just call it that. Yeah. Even after I figured out how to use that, I still found ways to like F up my travel through Dark Bramble. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and also the other thing, the, the time when my heart was racing was when I knew I knew where I had to get to in order to um, seek out the ship. Right. I knew where I had to get to. 
but I also knew after one time flying through that there are a lot of lantern fish in the way. <laughs> and so I was like, I am going to try something incredibly stupid and perhaps incredibly brave, but perhaps incredibly foolish. And I just blasted through the hole and then immediately jumped off my jets. And my heart was pounding as my ship floated past those fish. Yeah. It's like I was just sitting there. My wife was sitting there too, and she's like, Whoa, those are scary. And I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. (laughs) Because these these things don't attack you unless you make noise. So like if you if you just like don't move your ship, you're okay. But the thing is like like your ship floats very close to them. And yeah, it's one of those things like, okay, well, don't just don't breathe. Okay, just be quiet. And, and as you're floating past, the, like it's almost like you're you could you you don't have a good sense of the dimensions of your ship when you're flying yeah. your ship, and so there's the worry, like am I am I physically going to contact one of these things and then get eaten? Yeah, you know. Um, and it's it's really funny that some of the seeds for how to do that were sown in various places, but mm-hmm. one of them um, was like in just a a recording that you find if you explore there an ember twin about a child's game yeah right this is what the, this is how the kids would play lantern fish yeah and i was like the, the, why am i learning this in the moment like why am i learning this and then i'm i'm there and i'm like i know i have to get past these fish i need to tap into whatever that knowledge was previously in order to even see if this is worth my because i didn't know at that time you're just like this is this looks like the best way i've, I've got a frequency that i'm following mm-hmm. and yeah, I just I I just really I really liked how it felt risky, it felt dangerous, and then you f- like even despite solving it, right? Like like exploration is cuz yeah. you, you know, there there's always going to be something. But I I just really really liked that. Yeah. And you 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 eventually like find your way through and you either like you either stumble upon the escape pod from from the ship or you find the ship itself. And finding the escape pod of the Nomai that like there were three escape pods that that jettisoned from their ship when they crash landed in Dark Bramble. One of them made it to Ember Twin, one of them made it to Brittle Hollow, and one of them just never made it out of Dark Bramble. But you find their recordings of what they said, and they, they said, like, we have to get back to the ship. But then they said, but there are two frequencies that show our ship is is in dark bramble which one do we follow and they were like well we got to follow the closest one because we only have enough fuel f- to to get to that one so we just have to hope that's it and if you follow that trail that they did they get to a bramble seed not their ship and that's another one of those depressing scenes where it's like oh you that see was- like 10 bodies of of the nomai just floating in space here and it's it's pretty sad but yeah, again, that was, you, that was moving. Yeah, you, you you learn not just the history of what happened to them, but the idea that the actual ship is uh, is somewhere else, but I have to follow this frequency, and there's a, a 50-50 shot that I could reach it. Like, once you've, you've figured out, like, oh, this is the wrong one, I'll just send my scout through this uh, this bramble seed, and that's where I know the other one is. If you follow that frequency, the right direction and 
track down the ship. You actually get inside the the Nomai ship that crashed into the solar system when they first heard the the eye of the universe and they came to visit it. That was another moment of like discovery where it's like, what am I going to find here? This is going to be amazing. Yeah, the floating past the anglerfish successfully because I went through the same process that you were describing. Yeah. I, I, I found the depressing scene, but I knew that I could use my scout to ascertain the location of the ship. And so I did that. And then, of course, of course, it like it was telling me, oh, you got to float through that bramble where all those <laughs> goddamn fish are. And I'm like, OK, here we go. What did you think about the center? If we can call it the center, I don't really know. But the 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 red aura, right, it yeah. is coming from it's emanating from this like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's they like, are uh, they, they are clumps of anglerfish eggs and these anglerfish, they, they are guarding the, the egg nest. And so you, that you makes float past them and the the eggs give off this red aura. And you know that the ship is very close to the nest. So you have to follow the red, the red light. And then once you float past that, you have to follow the signal that is coming from uh, the, the frequency that you sent your scout through. And then getting to the ship itself, you've found like, okay, well, this is how their ship works. And this is how the navigation works. And if you have solved this jigsaw puzzle of clues over the course of your game you now understand how to operate this ship power it back up and get to the eye of the universe but to do that you have to use the black hole core that is powering the very device that is enabling the time loop to happen so you kind of have to like mentally plan out your final attempt at breaking the time loop. And that includes like going to the Ash Twin, getting inside it in into the center area, which again has like some great like center of a planet, like free floating space. Then you have to like take the the black hole core out of that device, which will then depower the machine that is getting you to loop every 22 minutes. Then within this time frame of 22 minutes, you have to get back on your ship, fly to Dark Bramble. And this was one of those those moments where I was like, okay, I'm gonna make my way through Dark Bramble. I'm not gonna fuck around. All right. This is I'm I'm gonna be quiet and I'm I'm just gonna float right by those fish. All right. Because I can't if I die on this time, like, is my game completely gone? Is that it? Because there's no loop. So quietly float past them get to the ship and you enter like you you insert the the core and then enter those coordinates that you found on giant's deep for the eye of the universe and hopefully it's before the 22 minute mark of the the sun going supernova then uh what happens it's like you you travel to this other dimension that now has like it is like in a black storm and it looks like the surface of the quantum moon in its quantum state. And you jump into this giant hole that is at the center of the 
like the the landing area that you've been in. Suddenly you're just like getting visions of Timber Hearth combined with other locations in the solar system. Like this is where things get really weird. Then like you you start to like wander through this quantum forest that has like quantum that that has the the anglerfish every once in a while that are just there to scare you. They don't kill you. <laughs> and then um you collect some of your friends that you've found along the way through the game but like you gather them up in different parts of the forest and then you just kind of have this this fun time around the campfire and you you enjoy each other's company i really liked well it's a callback to what we were talking about earlier but the music right because you gather up all of your friends and there's no need to like i guess characterize what you're seeing as this or that right you don't really need to define it Mm -hmm. you're you've already jumped up or down or through or into or out of it doesn't matter a big hole that put you into this space where at times you are just following frequencies blindly in pitch blackness right to this forest like environment and then you just go find you just go find your pals and then uh and then you just start playing music together and i like i think that that's just so i think that that's just so beautiful you know I thought it was fitting that this part of the game took place in a forest in utter darkness. Um, have you have you heard of the the dark forest theory of um, the universe? First of all, uh, there's a trilogy of books, sci-fi novels by Sishin Liu, who's a Chinese author. I probably didn't say his name right, but uh, it's incredible. It's called the Three Body Problem. Um, and the second book in that series is called Dark Forest. And the whole premise of the series is that Earth starts, Earth uh, sends out a signal uh, to uh, an odd entity to announce itself and then receives, receives a signal back. Uh, but because of, the, because of the distance between these two entities, Earth and this other one, it's, there, is a, there is an incoming group, but it's going to take them centuries to get to earth but then earth is like realizing that this group is coming to earth and it's going to take them centuries to get here um the first book is talking about um the sending out the signal the second book is Mm -hmm. how the earth in the immediate aftermath of knowing we have made contact and they are coming and we don't know anything about who is coming here what does earth do in that turmoil and and also why are they leaving in the first place right um there there is a story about their their solar system and and how it's not viable anymore but 
The second book is all about the dark forest theory, which is that the universe is a dark forest. That's it. And any life that is in the dark forest is either hunting the other life or it's hiding. And if you subscribe to that theory, then you would say sending out a signal and announcing ourselves when we don't actually know if there's life out there is akin to just saying, come eat us. (laughs) What I what I like about this games and what I would say is an interpretation of that dark forest theory is that, uh, you know, the only thing that is for certain in the universe, in your existence, your perception appears to be uh, the connections you make with others and the things that you make of them. In this case, uh, your explorer buddies, including that Nomai on Mm -hmm. the quantum moon and just the beautiful music that you all agreed to make because Nothing else is really nothing else really matters. You've gone through time. You've gone through reality. Mm-hmm. You are just in a circle around a fire with your your closest uh connections, friends, family, whatever. And um what's more important than making some music with them? And I just thought that that was such a a beautiful ending to this game, yeah. all about curiosity and discovery and um the inevitability of your demise. <laughs> it's like truly, you know, um, you know, if all of these things are true, uh, then you ought to appreciate sitting back and talking about it with people too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's where the game ends. It and is just this, this great moment of everybody sitting around the campfire talking about what they discovered. We didn't talk about the stranger though. I, I I felt like I texted you to to like lead you to this discovery a little early for the rest of the game because this is the 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 expansion that they they added to the game that you can get for a little extra but it is like the super hard area of puzzling to to get through how much of that did you discover and finish I um I I couldn't give you a number because I have no idea where it ends. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the what, hard part. What I do know, this is the this is the kind of puzzle that I would have to make so much time for and probably actually like write things down myself yeah. to know how to get through it because I know that there are secret areas. I know that your access to them is limited by the changes in the environment that happen within the environment that is always changing. And it's like, this is a a nesting doll of migraines for me, essentially. Yeah. It's so it's really interesting. It's really challenging. Yeah. Um, because I have no idea what to do with these secret areas, which are all dark, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, you're, you have to get this green flame uh, to find your way in any way. And sometimes this gives light to places, but uh, then you have to take light away so that you can open a door that you didn't know you had to use before. And, and oh, by the way, um, some sleeping horned friends are. They're wandering around here. This area. <laughs> and, and if they catch Man. you, if they catch you, they will like grab you and blow your light out, which will make you wake up from this, this yep. dream that you're having. So like, it's a challenge area and I, I recommend checking it out. If you enjoyed this game, get the expansion. It's really cool, but you should know that it is a much harder mystery to solve and piece together. 
There is no shame in looking up guides online because I definitely did for this. It is like really cool to to puzzle together and finish. And it adds a little more to that ending. But uh, just seeing the the ring world that is the stranger is really cool itself. It, it is shaped like a like a halo, like like in the, the halo universe. But is it is a ring world that has a river running around the inside of this ring that is then it, it has a dam that at one point during the time loop, it breaks and you can ride that wave of water that, that rushes down the river around itself. It's really cool. There's also just like different things that happen to the buildings as that, that tidal wave goes through, but there's, there's more puzzles to solve. This ring world is probably the most dense area in the game, but it has some fascinating things to discover. I really like the ring world. The secret world is where I'm like running into those, you know, the, the the places where you just, you have to do so many playthroughs and try so many different, so many different methods to try and solve your way through that and figure it out. But the ring world itself, I really enjoyed exploring that Mm -hmm. um, because it was hard to, to piece together sort of what this ring is and what's going on with um, the folks who, who would live there, the, the species, the humanoids, whatever. Yeah. Man, when you get into that secret world, (laughs) I am, Oh my God. I don't even, I'm like, I don't don't even know where to go. Everything scares me. Yeah. It's just hard. It's, it's a hard life over here. Have you, and then by the way, when the wave comes by, if you're in a certain spot, you wake up underwater. <laughs> like, oh my God. So you have to figure out like, okay, well, is there a place that I can fall asleep in around this, this like green campfire? Is there a green campfire that is not going to be flooded? And yes, there is. So have you also tried, have you tried like, as you're walking around this dream world, have you tried putting your lantern down and walking away? I haven't. What, so, I, so I did. Yeah. But no. So here's what happened, Kevin. This was my last <laughs> playthrough where I just went, no, I'm done. Uh, I put the lantern down because I was in a space. I'd made really great progress. I was in yeah. a space where there was like an alarm that was I'm like, I'm going to put this lantern down. And then I put it down and I saw that it had created light. And I was like, huh, this is really strange. I'm going to back away from this. And I was backing away right into a puddle of water. And I woke up. Oh, and was like, whoops. Yeah. God dang it. <laughs> so if you put your lantern down and you walk away far enough from it, you might discover something different about the world that, that, that will change how you think about it. Because it's not necessarily a dream per se. It's something else. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go try that. Now. <laughs> yeah. But like you can also it, like when you're carrying this lantern, you can also like push a button and it will cover the light on it. So that lets you hide better. It will also yep. like, you know, there are other things that you can do with this, but there are a lot of secrets to discover in the stranger. And I don't want to spoil them for you because I, I know how special this is, but yeah, give that a shot. Give that a try. Yeah, I so, appreciate that. Also, the stranger is a, just a badass name. Yeah. But anyways, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to touch on as far as like discovery when it comes to this game? I think we've covered it. Uh, and I hope that uh, folks who are listening appreciate just, I guess, the excitement that we both feel about it, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because it is exciting. It's really cool. And it's cool. Like we were talking about, even with the ending of it, it's cool to talk about 
the interesting things you found with people, right? Yeah. Like that's yeah. kind of the point of living. Share your experiences with others. Let's have a, a quick actual books and more recommendations section for this this book club style podcast. Are there other games that you can think of that create that that great sense of discovery that you can only really have once? So uh, the first thing I thought of, and this is probably retread, but Skyrim, yeah, is yeah. one where it's the ancient civilization piece, like some of the dwarven ruin ruins mm-hmm. and stuff in Skyrim, uh, always has and it has this like this level of uh, just grandiosity right where yeah. you just like you, you all of a sudden you turn a corner and there's a chasm over across which is a is a citadel that hasn't been mm-hmm. seen in millennia and you're like oh, this is everything <laughs> my fantasy nerd self wants you know <laughs> so that's the one that came to mind for me yeah i i felt that a little bit too in the uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild and uh, Tears of the Kingdom games too, just uh, anything with that that um, order of magnitude that's pretty yeah. big, and a lot of care put into the details um, is what really makes that for me. Yeah, that Skyrim is is a good one to to think about because I remember if, at one point I I remember like finding a guy with a mask and and like you kill this this like really powerful wizard with a mask and you can take his mask and like wear it. And the mask has the same name as the wizard. So you're like, oh, cool. Okay, I'm going to use this. This is great. And then at one point, like I was you know, running around using this mask because it had really good stats and abilities. And then I discovered a room that had a place where you could place this mask on this on this statue. But there were eight other spaces for masks. And so I, I was like, wait, there are eight other versions of these guys? Like, oh, my God, like I have to find all of them. I can't believe this. I I thought this was this guy was just special, and like w- when I talk about like that sense of discovery, you can only have once with Outer Wilds. I feel like I can't replay this game and discover everything all over again because I, I remember the rules of things. I remember shortcuts to a lot of this stuff. So discovering those is what really makes it special. Uh, another game that I remember like finding just finding that knowledge and that sense of discovery great was the witness and that's a different kind of game altogether but that's one where like i played it in 2016 and i still remember a lot of the rules from that game it's a puzzle game and if you were to show me a puzzle from that game just any random puzzle i would probably be like oh here here's the answer that's it and like there's there's just no going back from how good that level of discovery is and how that game teaches you how to learn its its language favorite movies that had a time loop i wanted to ask you this one because i i knew you'd have some great answers what did you think of well so groundhog day is is a brilliant movie <laughs> and and there's a reason why everyone loves it because it's great yeah um but uh, i was thinking about like not just duck in a loop movies which by the way palm springs is really funny i love that um, one yeah so, yeah yeah that 
so that was one where everyone was like, oh, is this just another Groundhog Day? And then they, <laughs> they watched it and they were like, well, yeah, it was, but it was also really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking about loops, uh, loops, loops in movies. Um, and even you could even call like the Terminator series sort of yeah. like a time yeah. loopy movie. Which Terminator Two is incredible and mm-hmm. should always it always will have a place in my heart. And you're just kind of going back. We're sending them back to fix the future, you know that kind of thing. Also, a great movie um, movie about paradoxes. Like they they create paradoxes and then yeah. acknowledge that they've made a paradox. Yes, I had one more that I wanted to bring up, and I'm I'm blanking on the movie now. But I will say that uh, my wife and I just finished watching uh, Bodies on Netflix, which is very time loopy. And it's definitely worth a watch if you're interested in uh, not only like sci-fi time loop crazy stuff, um, but also uh, murder mystery. Um, Because the idea is that a body is found in a specific place in London uh, over four different uh, timelines. It, like uh, back in 1890, 1941, 2023, and then uh, 2051, I think is the other one. And it's just, it's really fun. My wife and I are busy. We have a kid. When we find a show that we say like, okay, we are going to do whatever we need to do after our son goes to bed and we shall reconvene at 9, 9.15 to watch an episode of this then you know it's a legitimately entertaining product <laughs> because we we got to make time for that shit. <laughs> so it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, what about you, Kevin? What what movies come to mind for you? Well, uh, like Palm Springs was on my list. Like that that is a great pick, and and Groundhog Day so is good. like the always wonderful. <laughs> the the classic premise is from Groundhog Day is great, but yeah, like his uh, his introduction in the movie uh, in Palm Springs is great i loved it and then like there was a really cool show i remember way back in like 2004 or 2005 called daybreak uh go check that out it had tay Diggs, and it was really cool i didn't think they could turn a tv show into a time loop kind of story but like it works really well it's it's pretty cool so so check that one out and then um there was edge of tomorrow that came out with tom cruise like back in 2014 that's a, a really cool action movie with the time loop and um it it's yeah. a different kind of sci-fi movie that is is really neat so i recommend that one are there any other like books tv shows or or movies that you're you want to recommend yeah so first of all that three body problem series by yeah. uh, Sishin Lu um, is it's it's incredible okay. it's it's one of my favorite uh, trilogies of books that i've read that i've ever read and the Dark Forest is one of my favorite books, full stop. I was thinking about the the joy of discovery in books. And um, I think about how kind of like an Outer Wilds in books where you're just kind of dropped into it. Yeah. Um, like the author just assumes your knowledge of something. And then you're and then as, as they tell the story, you you're, your brain is working to gather the pieces and put them together so that you're starting to actually make sense of what's going on around you it's challenging like it's a challenging entry point but it's also i think more rewarding and it there's less exposition in the storytelling so it, i i like that kind of writing myself mm-hmm. two series that came to mind for me are the um, the broken earth trilogy by nk jemison where you're sort of dropped into this world um, where humans uh, have the ability to 
commune with the earth uh, in like sort of a magic kind of a way. And uh, there's some really interesting and and uh, like topical social dynamics that are uh, that are taken on in that series that are really important. Uh, least of least of which is like systemic racism and how that impacts people's views of themselves and others in a society and what that does to a society as a whole, like some very big questions that are asked, but the, the storytelling itself puts you into the space where you're immediately connected with the, with the characters that you're reading about. Um, and you are discovering with them through the book. And it's just, it, it's wonderful through all three of those books. And the other one that came to mind was, um, was Ancillary Justice uh, by Anne Leckie. And I, I don't, I think it's the Royal or the Imperial Ratch trilogy, R-A-D-T-C-H. Very challenging science okay. fiction uh, story and, and trilogy, but it, because there's just so much more that is seemingly foreign to the reader as you're dropped in there and you start trying to understand the world that that you're in. But the idea, the a lot of the ideas that are addressed in there are like, um, you know, AI and sentience, but mm -hmm. there's also uh, like questions of gender and questions of identity and, you know, what, what, what makes us human, right? Um, all those really awesome sci-fi topics and themes uh, combined with some really, some really important ways of considering uh, how we just view each other in society today. So yeah, challenging stories, but they're great. Mm -hmm. They are great. Yeah. I'm going to have to, um, start uh reading at least one of those uh after i finish caliban's war which i just started so oh yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh talk about discovery and and like like learning something and just to like imagining something new this is really cool i'm only like like 50 pages in but still i'm already hooked and like this is going to be a good ride I'm i'm excited oh yeah every single advanced book uh minus maybe one maybe one i had issue with but they're just they're they are a rip roaring good time, and it's just quick. It's just boom, blast off. Yeah, like you're shooting off a timber hearth, and all of a sudden <laughs> you're in the game. Okay, well, I've got one more recommendation, which is next month's game. We will be talking about Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. That game development was led by Koji, Koji Igarashi, who was the creative director behind the Castlevania series, and um, it's it, it's one of those feel, like games where it feels like he's he's finally like able to make his, his like favorite genre again. Have you like, have you played the, any of the Castlevania series at all? I uh, played the, I think I played the original, yeah. uh, well, obviously wild, but um, I've also watched the show here and there. And yeah. I, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it really is. But like he, he had to leave Konami to be, because they wouldn't make his, he wouldn't let him make his game anymore. So like he just, he left the, the company and made his own studio and then made a spiritual successor to like a very successful series. So it it is great to to like see this kind of genre like come back to the creator that started it. And like it, it, he's he's not the one who started the the Metroidvania series, but he was the one that like really made it successful and and made it a big thing. And, then, and it's why like the name Castlevania is part of the Metroidvania name of the the subgenre but bloodstained is like this this reimagining of what castlevania should be because konami just stopped publishing castlevania and so he was like well i'm gonna make it with a different name that's all 
I'm really excited to talk about that one because again, it it reaches into that sense of discovery where you're you're running around this castle uncovering a map and suddenly you realize, oh, I can get around to other places in this castle that I wouldn't I, I wasn't able to reach before. And I should go back and discover more. So remember that you can be part of the show by writing into PS Plus Game Club at gmail.com to share your thoughts about Bloodstained or recommend any games for future episodes. Uh, you can also find me on Discord at the Portland Kevin if that's the way you'd like to contact the show. But Steve, uh, is there, there anywhere that you want to have people contact you if possible or find you? Um, if you want to find me, I'm like not even on social media. I'm so dull. It's so uh, it's relieving if you, if you to, wanna, to hear that, though. <laughs> if you want to find me, you talk to Kevin. Kevin's going <laughs> to send you my way. <laughs> okay. But I'll be flattered if you do reach out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> with that, though, Steve, thank you so much for picking the Outer Wilds and and talking with me about it. it it's been so good to talk to you about it. Yeah, it's it's been it's been my pleasure it, that. I I wouldn't have picked up this game, Kevin, if it weren't for you. And I am really, really grateful uh, that you told me about it oh, because thanks. I r- really like it. So this is and this has been a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. And with that, uh, please like remember to like subscribe to the show. It really does help us uh, share episodes and share share a show in the, the algorithms of wherever you're you're streaming or listening to this show Uh, again thanks for listening have a great day and have fun playing around What's up, Internet friends, and welcome to another episode of the PlayStation Plus Game Club. I'm your host, Kevin Garaventa, a.k.a. The Portland Kevin, and this is a show where we pick one game from the PlayStation Plus library and break it down for your entertainment, information, and amusement. This time, we are talking about Outer Wilds. In 2019, Mobius Digital finished and released what started as a student project made by eventual studio director Alex Deacon. Over the course of development, Alex...